This podcast is brought to you by Likeable Media. Likeable Media produces and distributes content across the social web for mid to large size brands. Visit them at likeable.com. Welcome to All the Social Ladies with CEO of Likeable Media, Carrie Kerpin. Now, Carrie Kerpin. Today, I had the pleasure of speaking to Stephanie Levitt, who is the Director of Social Media and Branded Content at Carnival Cruise Lines. You're going to hear how she started the first presence at Carnival and how she grew that community and grew that content base exponentially from 2007 until today. You'll also hear some interesting stuff about how introverts exceed in social. Take a listen. Welcome, Stephanie, to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. I'm so excited to have you here. And I have to say that I have had more fun on a Carnival cruise line than I have on almost any other vacation. I just totally associate it with fun and excitement and just good times. So I'm really thrilled to have you on the show. That makes awesome. me so happy to hear that. Good, good, good. Okay, so tell me before we get to Carnival, I want to know about Stephanie. So tell me the story of your career and how you got to where you are today. Okay. It, it's kind of, um, I guess, odd. I don't know if most people who started it in, or who work in social started the same way. Growing up, I wanted to be a marine biologist. I grew up, I was lucky enough to grow up in Miami Beach, where we pretty much went to the beach every day. And I was obsessed with the ocean and fishes and dolphins. And I thought that's what I wanted to spend my time doing as an adult. When I went to college, I found out, whoa, I really actually don't want to spend all my time in a lab. <laughs> Um, it didn't sound as exciting as I pictured it in my head. Yeah. Um, so I took a lot of time to sort of soul search and see what else interested me. And sort of technology, I think, was a big thing for me growing up. Um, the Internet when I was growing up was not what the Internet is like today. Um, it was AOL and AOL chat. Mm-hmm. Mobile phones, I think, started emerging when I was in college. But I gravitated to all that sort of technology and that's sort of where social emerged. My background was working in public relations, and a lot of it was what they considered youth marketing at the time, which was posting on chat rooms. Um, there was Live Journal, which was the blogging, the original source of blogging, and Facebook was still private just to Ivy League schools. So that's sort of how I started in social media it was through PR and some. Um, less traditional ways of reaching consumers that way. Yeah, I think it's safe to say that most people starting in social did not start out wanting to become marine biologists. So it is a good, a good, unique story. And so where did you kind of start working? And then how did you grow to where you are today at Carnival? I started with lots of internships. I had a lot of good professors that really emphasized the importance of having an internship, an internship where you actually got to do work um, and you weren't just like running errands for someone or making copies on the copy machine. So I started off at PR agencies 
Um, my first internship was for Golan Harris. They worked on the American Legacy Foundation at the time, and they were starting a website for youth activists to sort of get them behind the idea of encouraging people to quit smoking and not start smoking in general. So, so that sounds like a dream on. internship, by the way. <laughs> it was actually really good. Um, and I'm passionate about the subject myself. So my father passed away from cancer and he was a smoker. So it was something that just interested me in general. And then having the opportunity to merge that with, um, you know, technology and this like growing space of websites and writing content for a website really seemed interesting. Um, so that's sort of where the interest in social, even though it wasn't considered social at the time, started. From there, I had another internship in New York City um, where some of the clients were Singular Wireless, which is now AT&T, and Yahoo. And it, it was posting on forums to get people to download ringtones. Um, wow. Back in the day, you couldn't do like a song couldn't be your ringtone. It was like they were like custom made ringtones. This was back in like 2003, 2004. But again, it was just like this emerging space of things that people weren't even thinking of doing. Um, but because this is where youth and like teenagers were active online, marketers started to figure out, Hey, I think we can reach people this way. So it just sort of grew that way. Um, and more and more PR agencies and brands and marketers, started thinking about ways to reach. It was always youth at the time. Um, now I guess we call them millennials. Mm -hmm. But reaching um, these like younger consumers online through these social channels. So it just sort of grew over time um, until finally brands caught up where they started offering full-time positions working in social. And that's where I found Carnival in 2007. So in 2007 was a really interesting time because that, I believe, is right when Facebook opened up beyond the college market, right? So you you kind of came in just as social media had become, um, or you know, possible to be sort of mainstream, even though it was very early. Yep. Yeah. And Twitter, I think, had just um, been announced at South by Southwest. So it was still, MySpace was still a thing back then. <laughs> oh, my um, goodness. And like live journal, live blogging, I think, was... Um, was just sort of emerging. But yeah, Facebook had just opened up. Twitter had just started. So it was very early on. I think it was when the term uh, social networking started to catch on. And so did you, were you the first social media hire at Carnival? Yes. I had a colleague at the time who was hired to focus on creating video and video platforms, which was just YouTube at the time. So it was the two of us. Wow. And so did you have someone there who was guiding you on what to do or were you coming in after kind of these series of internships and series of, of different agency projects that you worked on? And did you come in um, having to know what to do and really take it with social? Did they, did they give you the directive to just go with it or was it more like people were telling you what to do and you were executing that? It was more with go with it. Um, yeah. I, I feel like that's that. how it worked, right? In the beginning, yeah. it's like there, nobody knew what they were doing. So you had this tremendous opportunity to just like kind of think of it and go. Definitely. Uh, you needed the support right at the executive level. Like they needed to buy into the concept of social. Um, and then they just had to give you the support to let you do what you do best. Um, a lot of times we, it was coming up with an idea and seeing if it worked. Right? It's not like there was all this like history of data 
and other projects that you could depend on to say if something was going to work or not. You just have to have the passion and the faith <laughs> and the, the determination to go and get it done. So why don't you tell me about when you got there, kind of what your first approach was, if you can remember that, and then how social has grown and changed at Carnival. I mean, obviously the the whole landscape has changed so much. So give me a little bit of a, I love that you've been there from the beginning so you can really see how it evolved over time. Tell me a little bit about that. Sure. When I first got to Carnival, I was lucky enough that they had already um, sort of dipped their toe into social. They had one blog, it was their cruise director who had launched a blog to help support the launch of a new ship. And they had um, a separate section or a separate website. Um, it was called Carnival Connections at the time, where it was really, um, it was to encourage people to invite their friends and family to cruise with them. But it was a forum. So people could go in and help plan cruises with their friends and family through using forums and polls. So they had these two platforms that they focused their social efforts on. Um, I oversaw those and managed them and sort of grew them from these side little tools to something big and major that they would use in every campaign. And then we also created Twitter. Um, we focused more on creating videos to showcase yeah. our crew members. So if anyone's yeah. ever been on a cruise, you know that the crew has everything to do with the experience. Totally. They know your name. They're the ones you see every day. So we decided let's bring them to life more and showcase them more on social, which is what people I think were at the time and still today using social to do is to connect with other people and other brands. It's funny because your approach is really holistic in that what worked in 2007, um, even though tactically you might use different networks, uh, is kind of a similar approach, which is to connect people, whether it's connecting guests through forums in 2007 or showing showing the crews on YouTube versus showing the crews kind of behind the scenes on new networks. It's really all about um, sort of giving that authentic connection and the sneak peek into what makes Carnival Tech. Definitely. I would say our strategy over time for social hasn't changed that much, right? At the core, it's still about connecting with people and sort of humanizing the brand a bit, which changes just the volume of social right. posts that are out there and the number of channels and the number of people connecting via social. Right. And so talk to me a little bit about that. So when you started, it was just you and somebody who was working on video for YouTube. As the networks grew and as the need for content grew, how did you execute against the kind of overwhelming need for more and more you know, sophisticated content over time? Sure. The growing of the team, I would say, is probably the hardest, the most satisfying um, part of working here. Yes. It takes effort, right, to show the volume of work and content and requests that are coming in. Right? Everyone likes the idea of social. And um, my old boss used to say, social is like a puppy. Everyone thinks it's cute and free. It's like a free puppy, right? Someone just gave yeah. you, gifted you a puppy you didn't have to buy it, so there was no cost, but you forget that there's a cost of feeding it, of taking it to the vet and all this other stuff, which is the same as social. It's looked at as a free channel, but people forget all the cost that goes into supporting it, the resources, the time and effort. Um, so it was just sort of packaging all of that up and showing that we were making an impact and we can make a bigger impact 
by growing the team, which would allow us to be involved in more channels. And so how are you able to do that? What, what did you show in terms of results from social that helped you justify the growth of the team? The results, I think, that really helped showcase a need to grow the team and just the program overall, it started with share of voice. At the time, there were, like, forums were big at the time. It wasn't so much about, like, Facebook and Instagram, but forums. And we had our own set of forums, which we were trying to grow and take away share of voice from third-party-owned forums. Right? We wanted people to spend more time on our channels talking specifically about us versus talking about other lines. So it was shifting the conversation and showing that the number of posts on our channel was growing compared to other competitors. So share of voice was huge. And then over time, it's increased beyond share of voice to engagement, reach, impressions, video views, all that other good stuff. And have you really dipped your toe into the paid space as, as obviously all of these networks have changed, right? The algorithm on Facebook, all of these different areas where there's a shows a real need for paid support. Have you been able to get that paid support? And in doing that, have you been able to drive any results that translate to business results for the organization? So our paid social efforts tend to focus on new cruisers. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of our organic social we see is uh, content and conversations targeted toward existing customers, people yes. who already know and love us and like us. So we really looked at paid social as an opportunity to reach a new audience. Um, cruising is such a considered purchase, right? It, it, it's a big chunk of money. It's a big chunk of time. A lot of people only get one vacation a year. So it's hard to convince somebody to spend that much money and that much time in 140 characters. So we've looked at social and paid social as more brand interest and getting people interested in Carnival and thinking like, this is a brand that could work for me. So as far as like business impact, it's less about conversion and driving bookings and more about engaging with a new audience of somebody who had never considered cruising getting them to watch one of our videos through paid distribution on Facebook um, and sharing that post or liking or commenting underneath. Awesome. So it's higher in the marketing funnel. You're looking at an overall kind of reach and engagement around new cruisers. Definitely. Yeah. It's at the top of the funnel for us. So talk to me a little bit about, you talked about new cruisers and then you talked about the people, the organic content being around like kind of brand fans of Carnival. I would imagine that there are a lot of people who, once they take a Carnival cruise, become Carnival, you know, loyalists and they're obsessed with Carnival and these things. How do you interact with and really reward the brand fans who are online? Carnival is definitely um, a brand that's lucky that we have very loyal fans and hardcore brand advocates. Um, So lucky for us, they love reminiscing about their cruises and they love counting down to their next cruise. So we always have sort of an ongoing conversation with them. For rewarding them, we like keeping them in the know. You know, new ship launches, they love seeing little behind-the-scenes information about the ship. They love learning about the crew that is going to be on their ship. So we tend to focus a lot of our content on that. Um, And then we try and have fun contest to help promote some of our newer ships. And we like to encourage people to participate, um, share with their friends so that they can either win the cruise for themselves or for a friend. Like we have a um, 
promotion going on now in partnership with Operation Homefront and Carrie Underwood, where every month we're encouraging our fans to tag one of their friends who's a member of the military, where mm-hmm. they can win a prize for themselves and their friend that's a member of the military. So we're always trying to do things to help give back, whether it's free cruises, insider information, um, gift cards, fun drink cups from on board the ship, different things like that. And do you have a dedicated community management group or is that something that you do currently? So I would say probably a few years ago, um, our former CMO had the foresight to move the community management team awesome. to sit under um, customer service, which we call guest yeah. care. They're, they have all the tools they need to help address customer service type questions. So they sit in a different department, but we communicate every day. But we have a dedicated team who's worked on Twitter, Facebook, our cruise director blog, and his Facebook page to help address any sort of customer service issues that come up. And how important is it for Carnival to be very responsive to those customer service issues? I love that you moved it to customer care early because it's such an essential thing, I think. But, you know, I would imagine that with vacations, like you said, because most people only get one vacation a year, if they're not happy with their vacation, um, it's they're loud. <laughs> so I would I would want to know how you would how do you deal with that? Do you are you do you successfully take the conversation offline? Is it around the clock support, that kind of stuff? We try and do around-the-clock support. Um, I would say sometimes it's hard because it is a team of three. And they are based in Miami, and unfortunately, they do have to sleep. Yes. (laughs) So we we try and monitor as much as we can. Um, I would say the community manager is very dedicated and passionate about her role, and she encourages that on her team. So they're monitoring the channels all the time. We're very proud of the fact that we normally answer people within 24 hours of posting. And we do try and take the conversation offline, not to hide the conversation, but a lot of times we need um, personal No, you need more than 140 characters, of course. Well, of yeah, course. You need, I mean, they need to give you a bo- their booking information so you can look up specific information about um, whatever situation they have. And that's public information. You don't, or private information, you don't want to post that online somewhere. Absolutely. And so my question for you now, going back to you, is obviously you have been with Carnival since 2007 and and clearly very passionate about the brand and living the brand. Is it hard for you as somebody who has now grown in your career there not to obsessively look at the channels and make sure that things are being answered and everything is the way it should be and the posts that you worked on are performing well? Is it hard for you to turn it off? It is so hard to turn it off. Um, I joke and say it's like my second baby. Um, You know, when you grow a program from the very beginning to something big, everything that happens on the channels matters to you, right? So, I I mean, I try not to obsessively check. Um, The good thing is I have an awesome team, and I trust them, and I know that they're paying attention, and if there's – something major that's going on, they'll loop me in. Um, So I've gotten it down to only checking once a day and just checking my email a few times a night just to make sure everything's okay. Um, I'm really, really impressed. That that is an impressive feat that you did because I, I really like, to me, the way I look at your story is almost like you were running a startup at Carnival. It's so cool. Like you just came in, you were the first to do it. You kind of built it and now you have this team and it's just, it's, it's really, really impressive. Tell me, tell me a little bit about 
what you would say now that you're able to, you're in the, in the space where you're director and you're looking at it and taking more of a bird's eye view, what do you think is the biggest challenge facing Carnival today in social? The biggest challenge is just keeping up with social. The, the space changes so fast. Either the platforms themselves make changes to their algorithm or their ad offerings or the way that they reach their consumers or there's new channels emerging. There's always something going on in the space. Uh, so it's just hard keeping up with the speed of the industry. So keeping up with the speed and to that effect, uh, is Carnival participating in kind of the newest and most emerging networks or are you, when you look at a new network, do you jump just to do it or is there a process before jumping on? I personally want to jump and get involved in everything because that's the stuff that's exciting, right? It's the new channels. But again, just going back to resources and budgets, we wouldn't be able to maintain the program if we jumped into everything right away. So what we try and do is look at the platform and then the audience that's using that platform. If it aligns with our target audience, then we get involved. If it's, let's say, a younger audience or doesn't exactly fit who we're looking for, then we kind of just um, join it for personal use and watch it. And when we think it makes sense for the business, then we start to get involved. Okay, so what's your favorite network for Carnival and your favorite network for you personally? I would say right now my favorite favorite network for Carnival is Facebook just because it allows for the dual targeting. We get yep. to talk to our hardcore fans every day and we can also try and reach that new to cruising person, which is right our big goal in marketing. For myself, um, I love Instagram. I'm obsessed with it. I probably check it like five times a day. Of all my social ladies, if I did a poll, I'd have to go back through every episode. But I think almost all of them love Instagram the most. They, they really do. I think it's a great network for women in general. And um, we just, it resonates with us because of how visual it is. Yeah, it's just, it's a nice escape, right? Whether you need a break from work, a break from the kids, or you're looking for inspiration, like it, it just offers so much. And so tell me, Stephanie, where people should follow Carnival and where they should follow or connect with you. Sure. Um, I would say Carnival is on pretty much all of the platforms, and it's either at Carnival or Carnival Cruise. And myself, I don't really have, like, a social brand per se. It's kind of weird because I'm a shy person in general. It doesn't make sense for somebody in social, um, but I'm on Instagram and Facebook is just my name, Stephanie Levitt. Instagram, it's uh, my last name. And I just don't think that it's that unusual at all, if you think about it. Because we as women, I think, uh, have a lot of trouble in social talking about ourselves as like social thought leaders or doing these things. You see a lot of men talking about how great they are and all the great things they do in social. And I find that for women, we, a lot of times we tend to be just kind of more private and social, even if we are working and doing huge things for brands, sometimes we don't put ourselves out there as much. That's a good point. That's right? very, very I, I think true. so. Yeah. I, I think it's about getting comfortable being like, okay, here's what, who I am, what I'm doing. And, you know, for you, I know that you have been cited as an industry expert in many publications. So I just want to toot your horn for a minute that you were in a bunch of reports, Forrester, eMarketer, Mashable, just to name a few. So you're kind of a big deal, I have to say. Thank you. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Stephanie, thanks so much for being on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. 
You've been listening to All the Social Ladies with Carrie Kerfin, CEO of Likeable Media. You can follow Carrie on Twitter, at Carrie Kerfin. To get current social media insights and great tips, sign up for Carrie's weekly newsletter by emailing newsletter at likeable.com. This podcast is brought to you by Likeable Media. Likeable Media produces and distributes content across the social web for mid to large size brands. Visit them at likeable.com.